It's Tuesday, April the 26th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Musk to buy Twitter, and Lavrov speaks of, quote, proxy war. First, the world in brief. Twitter's board accepted an offer from Elon Musk to buy the social network and take it private for about $44 billion. The purchase price values the firm at $54.20 a share, a 38% premium from April 1st, before Mr Musk disclosed a 9% stake in Twitter. Mr Musk said he wants to ensure free speech is protected on the platform, which he calls the, quote, digital town square. Sergei Lavrov, Russia's foreign minister, said on state television that he regards NATO as engaging in, quote, proxy war by providing weapons to Ukraine, and that the danger of escalating into a nuclear exchange is, quote, real serious. Meanwhile, Russia fired missiles at five railway stations in western and central Ukraine. It has made a target of Ukraine's rail infrastructure to disrupt arms supplies coming from Poland. Ukrainian officials said that attempts to set up a humanitarian corridor to allow civilians to leave the besieged steelworks in Mariupol had failed. After a meeting with Vladimir Zelensky, Ukraine's president, Antony Blinken, America's Secretary of State, said Russia is trying to brutalise Ukraine, but that its war effort seems to be failing. Lloyd Austin, America's Defence Secretary, said the Pentagon hopes that Russia will be so weakened by the war it will be unable to launch similar attacks in the future. The British government estimated that 15,000 Russian troops have been killed. Explosions shook Transnistria, a Russian-controlled slither of Moldova bordering Ukraine. Grenades reportedly hit the office of a security agency in the regional capital, though there appeared to be no casualties. Ukrainian officials said the attack was a provocation by Russia to justify military action. The Kremlin has previously said ethnic Russians in the statelet are being oppressed, the same excuse it used to invade eastern Ukraine. China's central bank said it would intensify its support of the economy, and especially small businesses, as COVID-induced lockdowns threaten growth. The People's Bank of China also promised more funds, via relending programs to the coal and aviation sectors. Municipal authorities in Beijing spooked investors with a campaign to test 22 million residents after 33 new cases were reported in the capital on Monday. Osman Kavala, a philanthropist, was found guilty of attempting to overthrow Turkey's government and sentenced to life in prison. The charges stem from protests that convulsed Turkey in 2013 and an attempted coup in 2016. Mr Kavala has already served four years in prison. Seven other defendants were sentenced to 18 years each. The charges are considered to be politically motivated, part of President Recep Tayyip Erdogan's crackdown on dissent. A judge in New York held Donald Trump in contempt of court for failing to cooperate with the State Attorney General's civil inquiry into allegedly fraudulent accounting by his real estate firm. America's former president was ordered to pay $10,000 a day until he complies.
state prosecutors are seeking his testimony, as well as business records. And fact of the day. 35 million. The number of votes cast in the second round of France's presidential election. Turnout was the lowest in more than 50 years, but still higher than in comparable countries. And now, here's today's agenda. Twitter accepts Elon Musk's offer. The world's richest man is buying what he has described as the, quote, de facto public town square. Elon Musk, the boss of the car maker Tesla and the aerospace firm SpaceX, made an offer of $44 billion for Twitter. The social network's board accepted his bid on Monday in what amounts to one of the most expensive buyouts in history. Twitter's business is insipid. Its share price has barely risen since the firm floated nine years ago. But Mr Musk contends that what interests him is the content. Having a platform that is, quote, maximally trusted and broadly inclusive is extremely important to the future of civilization, he says. His idea of inclusion may mean reinstating banned tweeters, including Donald Trump, who was suspended after America's Capitol riot of January 2021. Twitter's board, after some initial hesitation, liked the sound of his offer. The platform's users, who lean young and democratic, are hashtag furious. The re-elected French president moles a new team. After his remarkable re-election on April 24th, Emmanuel Macron is planning a new government. The sitting centrist president won 58.5% of the final runoff vote, defeating his nationalist populist rival Marine Le Pen, who secured 41.5%. This is the first time since the Fifth Republic was established in 1958 that the French have directly re-elected an incumbent president who commanded a majority in Parliament. At just 72%, however, turnout was lower than when Mr Macron was elected in 2017. Speaking on election night, he promised to take this into account and govern with more consultation. Soon, his Prime Minister, Jean Castex, will present his resignation and Mr Macron will appoint a new one to take the country into legislative elections on June 12th and 19th. The full shape of the government will depend on whether the President's party and its friends can win another majority in Parliament, a feat that looks possible, but is far from guaranteed. Is the party over for Boris Johnson? The scandal over gatherings in British government offices during COVID-19 lockdowns shows no signs of going away. Boris Johnson attended several of the parties, including one to mark his own birthday, for which the police find him. He may yet get whacked with more. A report into, quote, Partygate is being prepared by Sue Gray, a senior civil servant. Once the police have completed their investigations, the House of Commons Privileges Committee will determine whether the Prime Minister lied to Parliament when he denied knowledge of the parties. If he knowingly missed their parliament, he will be under pressure to resign. 
Conservative MPs have so far stuck by Mr Johnson that they could force him out with a vote of no confidence. The Times reported on April 25th that the Grey report is, quote, so damning he may have no other choice but to resign. A test that the ballot box looms in local elections on May 5th. If they are bloody for the Tories, they may be for Mr Johnson too. Evading the Censors in Shanghai China's draconian restrictions in response to COVID-19 outbreaks are not lockdowns so much as house arrests on an enormous scale. With more than 10 million people in Shanghai locked in their homes and signs that Beijingers might soon be subjected to the same, people have turned to the internet to vent. But this being China, complaints are quickly censored. One tool that netizens have deployed to document their experiences is the blockchain. Because the technology uses decentralised servers, there is no one company that can be leaned on to delete content. And activity is anonymous. Shanghai Covid Memories is a digital archive of disturbing moments. In one video, a mother pleads with health workers to be allowed to take her sick two-year-old to hospital. The files are all saved and available for sale as non-fungible tokens on OpenSea, an NFT marketplace. So far, none has been purchased. But the gallery is there for anyone to browse. A play that pokes fun at POTUS. Sex scandals rock the White House. Spin doctors struggle to contain the fallout and preserve the reputation of the man in the Oval Office. The plot of POTUS, or Behind Every Great Dumbass Are Seven Women Trying to Keep Him Alive, is all too familiar. This farcical feminist comedy, which opens on Wednesday at the Schubert Theatre in New York, tells the story of seven female political aides. The quote, Great Dumbass, is an amalgamation of famous men but parallels with the 45th president cannot be ignored. Donald Trump has been accused of sexual harassment by several women and churned through three female press secretaries and a male one during his time in office. Selena Fillinger, the playwright, says current affairs inspire her writing. Her Broadway debut is a hilarious and insightful exploration of the relationship between powerful men and the women around them and the insidiousness of misogyny in politics. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Friday to Quiz Espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. What is the capital of the state of North Dakota? Monday. What is the current name of the long American river marked as Pekitanui or Umezerit on early maps?
Finally, here's the quote of the day from I. M. Pei, who was born on this day in 1917. Life is architecture, and architecture is the mirror of life. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 